0: An executive director recently asked, how can you keep your team engaged when your organization is growing rapidly and you can't be on the front lines with them like you were when you began the organization? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Life & Leadership with Kim Williams. I'm the CEO of Interfaith Family Services a nonprofit that provides housing, help, and hope for families facing homelessness. I'm also the principal of Kim Williams Consulting, a change management firm that empowers nonprofits to change for the better. And I'm the author of Diary of an Insecure CEO, How I Went from Feeling Rejected to Raising Millions. I've led through a variety of organizational issues while raising over $50 million to fight poverty and learning a lot in the process. I created this podcast to share those lessons and help you to successfully navigate life and leadership. So let's get started. A week or so ago, I posted a video requesting questions for my podcast. I received one that I think a lot of leaders, particularly those whose organizations are growing, can relate to. An executive director recently asked, how can you keep your team engaged when your organization is growing rapidly and you can't be on the front lines with them like you were when you began the organization? Let's talk about it. I often tell my executive coaching and consulting clients that every blessing has its burdens. As a leader, you must make Sure that the goals you set are worth the work required to accomplish them. It makes no sense to want what others have until you find out the price they had to pay to get it. Growth comes with growing pains, particularly organizational growth. It's one of the reasons that growth is so exhausting. Everyone around you assumes that you are excited and elated when all you really want to do is take a good nap. You work so hard for years to reach your goals only to find out that the place you prayed for comes with its own set of problems. This is how I felt in the weeks following the grand opening of our new facility. I'd worked for three long years raising $11.5 million to build Dallas's most holistic family empowerment center. And then I spent an additional year working side by side with a general contractor who was overseeing its construction. As you can imagine, I was so happy when it was finished. The ribbon cutting ceremony was such a beautiful event and the culmination of four years of blood, sweat and tears. Then when I returned to work a week later, I was facing licensing for our new childcare facility, the hiring of new staff, acclimation to the new facility. And if that wasn't enough, six months later, we faced COVID-19. It was overwhelming to say the least. So many of the systems and processes that had gotten us to this point had to be revised or abandoned altogether to ensure success on this new level. We had to change the way we worked and the way we communicated with each other. We had to welcome new staff and become acquainted with their personalities and propensities. Some of my existing staff felt lost. Others felt left out. It took creating new systems, lots of communication, and a concerted effort to build a positive culture. But this wasn't my first rodeo. I learned the hard way to prioritize personal development when introducing new processes and practices. And this time, it worked. In fact, we didn't just survive the transition into the new facility. We thrived serving the most clients in our history while producing the best client outcomes and raising more money than we'd ever raised for annual operations. It was truly remarkable. And honestly, I believe COVID-19 aided in the transition because it forced us to abandon our expectations and pursue effectiveness at all costs. But what do you do when you don't have a worldwide pandemic to serve as the catalyst for reimagining your organization's operations? How can you make much needed changes when several members of your team would like things to stay the same? How can you stay connected to staff while building the infrastructure needed to scale? Well, I've done it, and I've helped other nonprofits do it as well. So let's talk strategy. First, let's revisit the original question. How can you keep your team engaged when your organization is growing rapidly and you can't be on the front lines with them like you were when you began the organization? Well, there's three steps that I recommend when scaling that help protect your organization's culture while pursuing growth. All three were learned the hard way, believe me, and perfected through trial and error over many years. Most importantly, I know they work. Let's begin with step one. Step one is to create a structure that works for who you are as a leader and where you're going. So after my third or fourth year at Interfaith, we'd gone through a significant and difficult transformation that was finally beginning to pay off. Our clients were succeeding, our donors were giving, and our team was growing and I was on the verge of burnout. Fortunately, I had a wonderful board chair who understood the struggle of balancing a high demand career in a growing company with a busy personal life in a growing family. She sat me down one day to talk about all my responsibilities and the need to restructure, not only to be successful, but to sustain myself on this new level. So she began to draw what should have been an org chart with all the people who reported directly to me and all the projects I personally oversaw. But when she was finished, she said, you don't have an org chart, you have an octopus. So if you can imagine this piece of paper, I was a big circle in the middle and I had all these lines around me leading to the people and projects that i managed. It really did look like an octopus. It was no wonder I was overwhelmed. So we spent the next hour or so putting the people and projects into larger categories and discussing who could be promoted to manage the larger pieces while reducing the demands and responsibilities that fell directly on my shoulders. After that, I thought about my vision for growth and adjusted the new org chart in a way that will allow for expansion without overwhelming my newly- revised leadership team. In the end, I had to adjust some existing positions, hire a new leader, and offer a promotion or two to make it work. And eventually, with a few key adjustments, it did. So that leads us to step two. Pick the right people to lead alongside you. It's important that you spend a lot of time thinking about what you and your team need in each leadership position. Look at the goals of the team, its members, and try to make the best match possible. Now, when I say look at the members, I wanna be real careful to say, it shouldn't be based solely on the members of the team, given how much movement staff make nowadays but you should be aware enough to know that if the new leader's personality pace background doesn't align with the majority of the team you're going to have problems so you definitely want to consider it but it shouldn't just be the determining factor with that being said let me share a side note about promoting existing staff i'm going to give you this tip observe them and test them before sharing with them or anyone else that you're considering them for a promotion. I'm going to say that again. Observe them and test them before sharing with them or anyone else who could talk to them that you're considering them for a promotion. Sometimes people who look like they can handle leadership can't always handle it. So give them projects that require that they lead before giving them the title of leader. Have them manage a group by themselves for a temporary amount of time to see if they can do it well. Then observe for as long as possible, at least a quarter or two, before offering them the job. This is really important. You know, anybody can do something for a week or two, but when you, when they do it for a quarter or two, you really get to see how they work. Additionally, you can see how they handle more work and if they complain or struggle to rise to the occasion and succeed. All of these things are really important when it comes to promoting other people. Because, again, what makes somebody a rock star when they're a single employee that's just managing their own workload, doesn't always translate when you promote them. So give it a shot, give them charge of a project and see what happens. Okay. So step three, finally create mechanisms for employee feedback that go directly to you without undermining leadership. So let me say that again, step three, create mechanisms for employee feedback that go directly to you without undermining leadership. This could be of a wide variety of things. It could be as simple as creating a suggestion box that honestly people rarely use, but sometimes they do. (laughs) Or scheduling quarterly welcome to the team breakfasts between you and new employees. It could be scheduling weekly or monthly walkthroughs that allow you to interact with employees, catch up on their lives, and hear how their work is going in a casual way. I remember that I once even scheduled like first Friday where anybody in the organization could get on my schedule and schedule um, 20-minute appointments with me through my executive assistant. And so the way that that worked is they would schedule the appointment, they would talk about tell her what they wanted to talk about. And then I would sit down with them for 20 minutes and talk about it. So I did that when we were going through a major transition. And honestly, not a whole lot of employees took advantage of it, but it really changed the culture, just knowing that they had access to me. And the things that were shared were really significant and important and helped guide some of my decisions. Let me make a note about that, though. When people do come to you to talk about how things are, If they come, for example, to issue a complaint, it's really important to listen, to maybe even bring an assistant or a witness in if you think that it's something that needs to be documented, to thank them for sharing, and not to give feedback in the moment. When it shifts to something that's complaint-oriented, you don't want to make a rash judgment without being able to investigate the other side of the situation. So just hear them out, take notes, thank them for sharing, tell them that you'll look into it, and then get back with them. So that's just one word about complaints. Um, but when you're, when you're talking to your team about sitting down for these individual meetings, let them know that you'd love to hear their ideas or suggestions for how to be more productive. Be really clear that this isn't a complaint session as much as it is a synergy session where you want to hear some of their brilliant ideas for how to make improvements. And that will kind of set the tone for what it is and what it isn't. But every now and then a complaint or two will slip through. But that's something that I recommend, um, particularly when you're making major transitions, just to open yourself up for those kinds of communications the next thing is that it's important to let your team know that being uncomfortable is a part of the growth process and that there are going to be a few miscommunications during the process which should be expected. Like sometimes it's just about setting the expectations that look this is uncomfortable for all of us. I miss communicating with you just like you may miss communicating with me um, as we work out communicating through these new leaders, there may be a few miscommunications during the process. And let me say something too about communicating through leaders. One thing that I did is that I basically low-key banned my leaders for from going back to their teams and saying, we're gonna do this because Kimberly said. In leadership meetings, we make decisions based on what's best for the organization. So I expect my leadership team to share those decisions as if they they were their own. So in other words, if we were going to change the way that we have hours, or if we were going to change the hours for you know a particular program, my leaders can't go back and say, well, Kimberly wants to change the hours to X to, to Z. They have to go back and say, we've decided that it will be best for our clients if we adjusted the hours for this program from 6 p.m. to start at 7 p.m., I expect my leaders to own it. Even if they don't fully agree with it, that's just a part of leadership when we're in leadership team meetings we can argue back and forth we can make points but once the decision is made we're supposed to present a unified front and if i hear that that's not the case my leaders know that that's going to be a problem so it's really important to empower leaders by you know first of all whenever possible refusing to make certain decisions for them But secondly, when decisions are made, it's important that they represent those decisions as leaders of the organization versus, you know, as a person who is reluctantly carrying out what the boss wants. So I'll I'll say that. Um, With that being said, you want to remind your team that you've done the best to give them leaders who understand their work and will be sensitive to their need yet able to hold them accountable in areas where that's required. Reiterate the grievance procedure when you bring on a new leader that requires them to go to leaders first, but also provides pathways for you to get involved when necessary. Finally, ask them to give you and the new leadership at least three months in order to get used to the new structure. Just tell them bluntly, it's important that you give this a chance. And at the end of three months, we'll have a group discussion to talk about the challenges of this transition and hopefully work through some of them. Be honest about those challenges when you do meet and share the challenges you face as well and ask them for their continued patience as you work it all out together. I also suggest that when you have these group meetings to revisit transitions that you try to do something fun, like a team building activity. I also suggest that you provide a meal and let the meeting just be focused on improving communication. I know that all these things feel like a lot of work, but it's definitely worth it. So let's review those three steps for improving team um, communication and culture When your team is growing, first create a structure that works for who you are as a leader and where you're going as the organization. And I want to put also a side note on just that tip. When I say create a structure that works for who you are as a leader, that's important because your authority flows through your authenticity. So it's important that the structure allows you to be the best version of you. So that means you know having yourself in mind when you're creating that structure, as well as having the vision for the organization in mind. So don't be shy about that. Create a structure that works for you as the leader. B, B, <laughs> step two, the next um, step is to pick the right people to lead alongside you. There's a thousand ways to do anything, but when it comes to putting together a leadership team, You should put together a team that is complementary, that will allow a wide variety of competencies to coexist in a productive way. So pick the right people to lead alongside you. And step three, create mechanisms for employee feedback that can go directly to you without undermining leadership. And that's really key. They should be, you know, positive pathways not you know critical ones so make sure that we're setting up those pathways that the expectation is that um, they share ideas over insults all right so those are the three steps that i recommend putting in place when you're trying to create a positive culture while scaling the organization so before i get off you know what i like to do i like to close with a word of support and encouragement As I said before, growth comes with growing pains. Whenever you're going to the next level, it's going to require that you build new relationships while decreasing the time you spent in some of the old ones. It's natural for people who interact with you on a regular basis to be upset by that reality. However, as a leader, you must be committed to doing what is difficult to achieve what is great. And that means taking on criticism and moving forward anyway. Eventually, all the fuss will die down and you wouldn't have sacrificed your future of helping many people for the temporary and unreliable comfort of being liked by a few. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come praying for every leader who is in transition. I know that transition can be difficult, uncomfortable stressful but father God with you we can do all things in fact you said your yoke is easy and your burden is light so help us to cast our cares on you help us to seek you you know our people you know our staff you know our clients you made them and as my grandfather would say and you know all about them so as we seek you give us insight Give us strategy. Give us wisdom for going through these various transitions in a way that will cut through the root of the stress and create peace in challenging situations. So, Father, I thank you that in the weeks to come, you're going to speak to leaders everywhere and you're going to share insight and wisdom and knowledge that will help them to do what is difficult to achieve what is great. And we declare to be so. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Today's tips can be found on my website, kimwconsulting.com. Just click the resource tab in the menu. You can also find information about my consulting services and upcoming events and subscribe to my monthly life and leadership newsletter. If you found this podcast helpful, please share, rate, and subscribe. Thank you for listening. And remember, change is inevitable, but changing for the better isn't. Change wisely.